FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 339 of the podcast that goes snicked. Sun nicked. <laughs> Not gonna get a snick, son. Um, <laughs> anyway, I am your host, Jason, and we I am joined uh, once again by the Scalabros, Georgie and Dan. Hey guys. Hello. Yo, yo. And we are here to talk about the finale of X-Men Grand Design and the not finale of some other things that you know would maybe be better if it was a finale but it's not <laughs> close to finale close yes we are we are wrapping these nightmares up <laughs> but yeah so our, our main focus this episode will be X-Men Grand Design and um, I don't know these guys may uh, may shift the conversation but the other books if the conversation ends up sounding like an afterthought, that's because, at least for me, it kind of was. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens, but we're definitely going to talk about uh, X-Men Grand Design Extinction number two. But, um, how are the Excalibros doing? Are y'all uh, um, Excalibroing pretty well? Yeah, no, no complaints. We're actually on a high. We just recorded uh, an episode before this. Three really excellent books, so we're ready oh. for you to uh, oh, make us all feel bad now. <laughs> the pressure is palpable. I, uh, I feel guilt and regret and remorse and um, uh, other bad things. <laughs> well, it's, you know, at least for me, I read uh, the Uncanny slash Age of X-Men books first, so I was like dark in a hole. And then I like I rose out of it with Excalibur Exiles and Generation X, and now I'm going right back in the hole again. That's funny. <laughs> it's a it's an X Men roller coaster ride yeah. with uh with the Excaliburs. <laughs> oh man! All right, well there you go. Um, so of course we'll do official plugs at the end, but of course always remember to go listen to the Excaliburs. It's good for your heart. It's good for your eyes. Good for your ears, and I think it's good for your teeth. It uh, increases your libido as well. Oh, there you go. See, it's just, and, you know, in all the in health right now, there's a big focus on on um, uh, well-being and whole, like uh, holistic health. I mm-hmm. think Scalabros uh, checks that box. We we hit all of your chakras. <laughs> there you go. All right, so we are first going to talk about X-Men Grand Design, Extinction Number 2, of course, by Ed Pisker. Um, and we'll kind of do the same thing we've done on the last several of these, just kind of go around the table and, and see what are some things that stuck out to us. I want to start off with a couple of the covers. Um, I have the main cover here, which, is of course, is a split cover. Um on one side, we have Kitty Pride in her late 80s Shadowcat costume, flanked by Cyclops, Jean Grey, Archangel, Big Hair Rogue, Psylocke, Jubilee, and Newcomer Gambit. 
And then on the other side, we have Days of Future Past, Kate Pride. Um, your future wears combat boots. Um, on a cemetery hill littered with mutant names, and of course, uh, Days of Future Past, uh, Logan is in the cemetery. Um, and got his claws out, and he's scowling. And there's actually a really cool, like, moon in the background. Now, what do you guys think of this cover? I think it's great. I think it's a tiny bit misleading, because that, that's the X-Men Blue 90s team um, on yeah. one side, or most <laughs> of it. And I'm like, does, I was like, oh, does this go all the way to the 90s? Sort of. Um, sort of, yeah. Well, we can talk about that. It actually takes kind of a... Uh, a left turn about yeah i was a bit confused yeah, yeah. <laughs> um what do you think of this cover georgie oh i uh, love the cover um I, I kind of like how janky and rundown old wolverine looks here on the right yeah um it's it's a little you know pisker i love his artwork every once in a while you get sort of like a, a wonky wonky image and i feel like we have a little bit of that of, of wolverine here but on the whole i mean i just love everything he's doing yeah, yeah, me too. Um, did either of you happen to catch the uh, the Bishop uh, variant cover? It's pretty no, psychedelic. No. Um, no. So uh, it's basically just you know Pisker's Bishop like falling through the time stream, and all these like crazy like colors and patterns behind him. It's pretty uh, it's pretty nice and psychedelic. So if you get a chance to, awesome. to look that up, I would would recommend it. So. Cool. All right. Well, so this kind of, I think maybe we can talk about the end after we kind of run through some comments, if that's okay with you guys. But um, this basically covers, it kind of picks up, well, it's really kind of hard to describe. This book, this last chapter is actually kind of all over the map. Because to say it starts after Inferno is not really true. Um, but then it goes through, you know, Extinction Agenda, which, you know, we just covered recently. And kind of to infinity and beyond. So, um, I don't know. Uh, why don't you guys throw out some kind of highlights, and then maybe we can talk about the kind of the the choice and structure. My biggest okay. highlight is um, Magneto's hair. Um, <laughs> no, joking. Magneto's hair is a highlight of me because I I generally cannot remember like him ever having that hair. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I was just, I'm just, I, I, I was so stunned by his spiky wolvie hair that I forgot to read the actual words on the page. So <laughs> I had to reread that panel, that page like five times before I <laughs> sunk in. But, um, yes. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was Beast on the the first one that's like covered in shadow. Yeah. I was like, why is, mm. why is Beast talking to Professor X? But it's uh, it's too bad you missed the words, because my first highlight is how they're describing his court trial from Uncanny X-Men 200, and uh, they have a little arrow with a label pointing to the plastic restraints. That was, that was uh, oh, yeah. an <laughs> uh, early favorite out of the gate for me. <laughs> I, I've uh, I've fallen behind on, on the Danger Room podcast, and I've been slowly catching up. And I just listened to this episode uh, a few days before I, I, I read this issue. I was like, oh, wow. Uh, oh, kind nice. of for this to, to line up here. But yeah. talking about the hair, I love how Pisker really is emphasizing that Quicksilver is definitely this guy's son. Because they right? have that hair. Yeah. Yeah. And the little uh, 
little fluffy horns yes in the front of their head yeah yeah pretty cool i also want to highlight the uh like the sitcom trope of uh Professor X uh, in bed next to Alondra, and they're both like reading books with uh, oh. the alarm clock next to them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like an '80s sitcom of like the parents right before bed talking about their kids. Right. They also have a, a Star Trek transporter pad right underneath it. Um, in the right. Panel. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, the scene in bed. I know we're not allowed to, to reference the Cosby Show anymore, but it felt very Cosby Showish. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, I think the next one for me. Um, oh gosh, uh, page. Oh yeah, so I don't. I really enjoyed. So if you guys have something before this, we can backtrack. But the whole like the scene of, of Wolfie on the cross and getting like off of the cross, I just thought was really cool. Um, you know, the night, especially on the newsprint, the colors look really nice and muty with all the rain. And him kind of crawling through the mud. It was just, it was a nice little page. Um, it's, sure. crazy because, it's crazy because that sequence of events is so fast in this book. And it feels yeah. like, obviously, <laughs> Jubilee just, ra- just randomly turns up in the panel, but then it explains where, how she's got there. I, right. really like his, I really like his Jubilee um, visually. I think um, he manages to nail her quite well, um, like the way she looks. But... I'm ha- I like it because it kind of made sort of sense of the siege perilous a little bit more for me because it was it, the story itself anyway is just weird and random and this makes it sort of a little less weird and random it makes it seem <laughs> a little bit more clearer to me but um I loved it when Wolverine went mental and just hacked a bunch of reapers heads off reapers reavers heads off and um was just Jubilee and there's the the effect the uh, color effect of Jubilee's fireworks is really nice as well. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. It is. Um, and when he uh, when he decapitate, decapitates the reaver, the reaver goes crikey. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but of course we can't skip the uh, the the panel of Jubilee sneaking off with Thanksgiving dinner. Yes. yes. Fisker put that on on uh, Twitter as well as like oh, the nice. best Jubilee panel ever. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't know if he's right, but he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, and G- I also had Jubilee's fireworks as a as a mention for sure. Uh, almost the eighties like uh, pointillism of the of the firework coloring is pretty great. Um, you have the classic Wolverine like hanging in the rafters on the. The three guys that he oh, originally yeah. killed. Yeah. So, um, I have a question because I'm kind of in the middle of this right now. My flashback reading is so here he there's a there's a retcon in the siege perilous is that some of the guys went to different dimensions. Is this a new retcon or referencing an old retcon? Because I know it's not the way the stories were originally told, but I didn't know if it was fixed. Somewhere before I, this, or this is something that Pisker came up with himself. I just admit to you that I didn't, didn't pay attention enough the first time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am not going to help answer that question. All right, fair enough. Well, so <laughs> so what Pisker does here is uh, some of the characters that go through the siege perilous, where their lives change pretty drastically. He writes it as they go to like a different dimension. 
So, like, Dazzler goes to a dimension where she's a successful singer, and Colossus goes to a dimension where he's a successful artist. And uh, I guess Rogan Gambit, or I'm sorry, Rogan Magneto, going to a dimension, you know, that whole Savage Land story that runs mm-hmm. parallel to the Shi'ar story that actually, you know, will will be our next flashback episode, by the way. Um, you know, um, it's interesting that he just kind of writes it off as, well, none of that happened in our timeline. They just kind of come back from that, and that's, that's who they are when they get their powers back or whatever. So I thought that was really interesting. Um I don't know if I like it better or worse, but it's definitely an interesting take. It's a confusing yeah. point of X-Men history, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think it's it, just well, streamline it, for sure. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, we talked about last time how challenging the era he was coming up on was going to be. So, I mean, this is definitely a way to kind of try to not worry about some of it while also giving it kind of um, like a legitimate place in his timeline. So it's an interesting kind of compromise, I think. Mm-hmm. That, that page is um, frustrating for me because out of the six panels, um, five are really good and the Psylocke one kind of, because Psylocke herself is bizarrely proportioned. Um, and bizarrely proportioned, so she kind of doesn't, like like Georgie said, sometimes he does a janky panel. Um, yeah. I really like the psychic knife. Uh, Dan, I think we're losing you, bud. Am I dying? I think it sounds like you're far away from the microphone. Or, Am I better? Yeah. Yeah, and the vacuum okay. cleaner turned off. Were you vacuuming? No. <laughs> I, I had nothing, I had nothing in, in the background. I don't think I had anything in the background. Okay. <laughs> unless, unless my house is possessed. Um, uh, very possible. Very possible. Yeah. I really like Cyborg energy dagger or psychic dagger but i just i don't think he draws this page doesn't have a really nice like it's not a nice side lock it just doesn't yeah um but um, that's like one panel in a sea of good things yeah right yeah. I, you know it's a weird thing to say though i do really like the shade of pink he used for the sash yeah mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like against the other colors looks really nice um you know but i don't know if you can have i mean if we're gonna Gonna reference the time these comics are from. I don't know if Psylocke can pop her dagger without talking about the totality of her <laughs> psychic powers. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but then he kind of just swims right through Extinction Agenda. Um, <laughs> it was nice to see, you know, if, if I'm gonna bring up some points, uh, the extinction agenda of, of like what we just covered and, and what he has here like for example he keeps the cardboard suit cut out for Hodge yep. which I thought was just wonderful yes that was brilliant I loved it I also love how um, when they first land on the island it's Havoc who is, is the one to like shoot at Cyclops and we had like three issues of them just like beating each other up so it was, it was just <laughs> really reminiscent of that Yes, it was for sure. Yeah, and I forgot about Giant Polaris. Um, so there's that, and then um, you know, Forge's little tracker looks pretty hilarious. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. Yeah, I think my next note was the cardboard cutout as well. So we're definitely on the on the same page there. And Wolverine has a fridge full of beer. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Um, I would, I'd, I'd like to um, say that I really like the fact that he's coloured Betsy's skin in her Asian body because usually she's mm. the comics have classically made her white even though she's supposed to be Japanese. Right. Um, and here that uh, Pisco actually goes with it, which because I'm looking at the, one of my my literal favourite panel of the whole book, which is um. We'll be having a breakdown holding a scientist um, with his claws. And then Tubuli's like, uh, guys, while oh, um, yeah, yeah. I'm just in the background creeping around. This is funny. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. That's pretty great. Um, uh, of course, Gambit's introduction looks pretty stellar. Um, he's got the classic. Uh, almost like arc with the cards kind of punching through it. Of course, that Jim Lee made famous when he first drew the character. Um, that was pretty sharp looking. Um, I wouldn't say that every close up is great, but page uh, twenty nine that has like all of the X Men on trial and then like the individual panels underneath is just like I, I love this so much. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. Um, I liked the cable just sitting there. <laughs> yeah. Also, sh- shout out to an Excalibur to Excalibur because on page twenty-eight, uh, Kurt and Kitty are like shocked at the TV, sat there watching right. from from Excalibur headquarters. So, oh right, yeah, yeah. I was like, Why? Uh, the page before that, right above the panel, the the Dan reference. I like that Wolverine with a crazy, almost Dragon Ball Z face is like. Now spill your guts or I'll spill them for you. <laughs> and the side just goes, oh. <laughs> uh, it's kind of either intentional or unintentional comedy gold there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that panel on the Dan reference is awesome. And then the the let them have cake <laughs> with Hodge, like feeding the mutates like poison cake <laughs> is... Uh, that's an interesting turn. Um, yes. Yeah, no, that roster is pretty cool. Um, and then I guess at this point is where it kind of this is kind of where the left turn comes in. So, um, oh wait, before we get that, you mentioned uh, Danger Room earlier. The, the the part after they kind of skip how they get their powers back in Extinction Agenda. When they get back and everyone's like, oh, cool. And Cyclops goes, my eyes. <laughs> every time. I love every time they do that. <laughs> my eyes. My deadly eyes. Oh, I'm right. cursed. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty awesome. So, uh, so, yeah. So then he adds in this scene. So the whole time we've been kind of getting through this story with Senator Kelly as President Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a, a definitely a choice. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting because that happens like in the future stories, but he's doing it now. And so then we have this scene where the nuclear bombs like basically nuke Genosha, and it kind of blinks out. And this really cool like bottom third of a page is just a white box with the black words blink. And then he goes from there to Days of Future Past. What do you guys think about this kind of turn of events as he kind of makes these stories line up in a different way? Well, it's, you know, two points there. It's Days of Future Past plus Bishop, right? Whose story is also kind of 
different, but they've almost like smushed them together very much like the animated series did. Yes. Uh, like put them together, which is, I mean, if you're streamlining it, that kind of makes sense. But it's also kind of odd because he, like there's no follow up to this issue. Like this is the end. So <laughs> like this alternate history happens and then it's just like, well, uh, that's the end. And I don't, I, it was just kind of strange uh, for me, actually. Yeah. It, it does feel truncated. But at the same time, I feel like it was when tasks with putting all of this gobbledygook into some sort of coherent narrative, I feel like the time jump forward to Days of Future Past was clever. Um, but then I was like, how, I don't feel like he truly lands the ending outside of... Because if you read the notes, you talk about, we'll get obviously talks about like um the ad newspaper ads different isn't it cyclops doesn't go to see madeline Pryor; he goes to be a fisherman or whatever and it's supposed to be like a representation of being hopeful and hope for the future um but i had to read the notes to get, to get that mm-hmm. a future that isn't gonna be horrible um i feel like maybe just pushed uh, maybe a couple more pages where it's sort of Brought right. the team back together, and then ended with like the team together and moving forward, fighting for the or the future fight is done or something. I like the idea. I just don't know if it was landed well at the very end. Right. Um, it really, yeah. The the earlier issues truncated a lot, but this one really felt like he was trying to fit maybe one and a half issues worth into one issue here. It was. And I literally four pages. And I've literally just watched Days of Future Past the 90s animated version, which smushes it all together anyway. Uh-huh. So it was really, there you go. Really, really bizarre seeing it like, repeated. Because the thing is, like, his Days of Future Past visuals are fantastic. The The line of um, oh, people yeah. in oh, yeah. backs to backs and the skulls and, like, the ghost faces of our heroes and such forth and the weird right. face sentinel that Spider-Man's fighting. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, and I really like a lot of it. It's just, I think... When it gets to oh, let's start out the future. Because don't they just like in a in a in a couple of panels they throw they throw um, Bishop and Rachel through the time stream. It's like mm-hmm. bye. Because yes. because obviously he has to hit all of these points, and so it does feel like he's he's sprinting to the to to sort of like a conclusion. Because mm-hmm. it's 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 not bad. I just think it uh, he needed another issue. Like yeah. could he not yeah. have just told the nineties history as well? <laughs> right. Like. Um, it's weird. I don't know. Jason, are yeah. you upset we're, we're not going to get to see Pisker's take on Lee Forrester? Huh? Are you upset we're not going to see Pisker's oh, no, take no, on I, Lee Forrester? I, I heard the question. I'm trying to think of what what the so we for yeah so we because what? of like the costume. Oh no no because you know at, at this point um, you know. Cyclops quits the X Men and he goes right, to be like right. a fisherman and uh-huh. he like he like kind of dates Lee Forrester for a while. Yes. Who's yeah. yeah, until they end up in like Magneto's underwater base. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I get. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. I, all right. I'm with you now because I comp- or mentioned that this difference right because in the first one it is Madeline Pryor from the beginning. Right. I called attention to that. Okay, I'm with you. Sorry. Yeah, they, they've um, switched the history <laughs> around a lot right, here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry, it took me a minute to, to catch up to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I guess in, in, in quote-unquote his timeline, 
we're it just kind of we condensed it and now we're starting over to the full uh <laughs> all the details that we read the you know the original issues <laughs> yeah i don't it is, it is kind of a weird a weird turn um I, you know, I, I see what you know Dan was saying with the notes, like how it, it hopes to be more optimistic. And I don't think it, I don't think it tarnishes the whole project at all. And it's just kind of an interesting choice. Oh no, um, I think it's still really well done. I love the little fight. It's a tiny three-panel fight. The fight between Mystique's uh, Brotherhood and the X-Men, wait, like Storm, yeah. um, Nightcrawler, dispatch them. And I, I like the nod, even though it's real quick. There's like the nod to Rogue taking. Cal's powers, it's not to like um, Mystique breaking out of prison and all this jazz. Because that, that's when it's that's when Grand Design's doing its best, where it's fast but in a panel. Where I think um, it just had a lot to cover this issue, and it just was like uh, maybe they were just because he had to finish it. It was like, oh gosh, there's so much crap that Claremont's written. Um, <laughs> right. How do I make this into like a, a, a you know? Because it's not like it isn't successful. I just feel like the others were more effortless in the way they managed to annotate mm-hmm. it. Right. I um, can I can feel that maybe you know one of two things happened here. Either editorial was like, look, this is the last one you get to do, so like wrap up everything you want to have in here, or you know this is like a Herculean effort here to yeah. write and draw and research all this. It could have been that you know. Not that he was burnt out, but it was just so taxing on him that the the final half of this book just didn't quite didn't quite land. And I don't really fault him for that because he's doing so much here. But right. um, I wonder if, if he had give, been given a little bit more time or a few more issues or maybe a little bit of a breather in between, this could have could have you know really hit that landing instead of uh, fumbled a little bit. Yeah, could be, could be, or maybe maybe. He's just got to a point of X-Men history he's not as interested in. <laughs> yeah, that could be it as well. So, I mean, I still loved it. I, I, I think you, it, uh, I mean, we love this artwork. It, we, we've mentioned some of the janky pa- panels, but I think it's part of the charm where it's like, right. it feels like someone drawing it from memory and like the love is there, even if it isn't like traced off of what the characters used to look like. It, it feels very personal. Right. Yeah, it still yeah. feels, um, it still feels um, like a love letter. Oh yeah, yeah, very much, very much. Yeah, so overall, definitely, I, I was saying if we lumped the whole <clears throat> kit and caboodle project together, I think a very, very successful and and oftentimes magical endeavor that you know I'll probably go back and reread from time to time. Oh yeah, when well, the I'm, big collection comes out with the, I've got the first two hard like oversized hardcovers. So when oh, it nice. comes out, I'll definitely get it because those are like. I mentioned before, but even the paper smells like the old paper. It's the like wonderful things to behold. Yeah, yeah I'll be getting I'll be getting the shiny super collection if they if they release one. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, um, so listeners, that's going to be the best part of our episode. <laughs> so, um, it really is. Strap in if you want to hear the rest. <laughs> So we'll be moving next to War of the Realms. Uh, War of the Realms, Uncanny X-Men, number three out of three. And Dan is going to take us through this one. What do you got, Dan? Is it number three only or two and three? Just number three. 
Just number three. Okay. Fine. I don't want to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, Uncanny X-Men, War of the Realms, the one that everyone forgot about. Um, Written by Matthew Rosenberg, drawn by Perry Perez, coloured by Rochelle Rosenberg, uh, letters by VCs Travis Lenham. Um, Then the cover artist is David Yardin, and on the cover we have Valkyrie Danny and a load of Madrox dupes fighting some frost giants in a extremely brightly lit um arena um as opposed to the rest rest of the book which is not brightly lit um i always like it when danny's in a valkyrie gear i really don't mind this cover whatsoever um it's okay it's just there (laughs) that makes sense yeah what do you guys think i like it i like the art in um i like the layout it is kind of weird that in a doom and gloom issue, it does seem like the stadium lights are all on, um, and the the Valkyrie's about to throw out the opening pitch. It but, does um, look like that, yeah. <laughs> I I like the, the interior artwork a little a bit more. Bit. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was gonna say she does have a whole baseball team's worth of Jamie's, so right. <laughs> <laughs> and that that was worth it. <laughs> I'm glad you let me get that in. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was worth it. <laughs> Just the announcer. And uh, batting third, we have Jamie Madrox. And uh, pitching today, we have Jamie Madrox. And uh, today's umpire, home base umpire, is Jamie Madrox, you know? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so many Madrox, so little time. Yes. Um, but yes, so previously things happened and um now we're here um so we start with our x-men and what's left of humanity even though i'm pretty sure like i said to georgie all of humanity that was in manhattan was teleported away by dr strange in issue two of except for for these except for apparently these people who somehow evaded a magic spell Mm -hmm. um it's because they're stuck in queens Obviously. And they're living in a little house for made of cars. Um, out, well, <laughs> it is. Um, it's made of cars in like a stadium. Um, and then uh, we, cu- we cut to Stark Tower with Sabretooth, who's gloating and being genuinely unlikable. Um, and Wolfsbane's like, release magic. And Sabretooth's like, no, I have to put a non-refundable necklace that, that puts her out of the story for... 12 pages until the deus ex machina has to set in so i can't release it right now um wolf wolf spain's boyfriend who i literally can't say his name himmeria him himmeria himmeria whatever um are you you having a seizure are you okay yeah i can't say his name it's like harem hari harem hari i think that doesn't sound nice but anyway um the the wolf god um um, and the child uh, who speak nothing, like no, no dialogue, um, just get bored of Sabretooth, it seems, and throw him out of a window um, just to please his. They're not married still, are they? They're just. I think, I think they're still wolf married. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wolf. They went to the wolf church and the wolf priest came down. And... Uh, yeah. And. Uh, and um... You know, in like a Jewish wedding, like they they, they wrap a glass. Uh, I, in I, I don't even want to know what you're about to say, Jordan. 
<laughs> Were they marking their territory at the wedding? Where, oh, where God, you go? no. Where are you going with this? <laughs> I was not going to go that bad. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Like a Jewish wedding, you take a glass and you wrap it in cloth and you, you stomp on it, right? To signify yeah. like them coming together. I was going to say it's probably like the two wolves take like a live rabbit and like they both like take oh. it apart, okay. you know? Why, why can't they? Why does it have to be murder? Why can't they just howl at the moon together or something? They don't have to kill an innocent rabbit. But saying that, we'll, wait until we get a little bit further. Maybe Wolf Spin would murder an innocent rabbit. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, yes. So from that, uh, say which is being chucked out of a, a window, uh, Danny um, arrives a little too late um, to find some tr- to like spot the trail because obviously Danny has tracking expertise. For Valkyrie reasons or Native it's American like, reasons, uh, it's like uh, James and uh, the Gifted. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> kind of can touch the ground and know where people went. As long as, you, as long as you kneel correctly. Yeah, yeah, you have to kneel correctly. Mm-hmm. But then um, they get attacked by some of Sabretooth's uh, doggy minions or wolfy minions, and. Um, but they're saved by magic. And then there's this hilarious joke about, oh, you always save us magic, which wasn't really funny, but I assume that was what was intended. Um, then we're back. I don't know how much time has passed since the car fort has been built and Danny returning, but Cyclops's beard has arrived and it is magnificent. Um, and everyone in the post-apocalypse snow future of Cyclops's uh, camp has beards. Aside from Madrox, and I was quite impressed by um, the Summers Brothers because obviously in Extinction Agenda they were they were um, wrestling with each other to see who had the biggest abs in that sequence of events and that front cover. Mm-hmm. Now it's who has the more manly beard. It would right. seem. Yeah. But, so so War in the Realms and Uncanny X Men last a good six months longer than the rest of the War of the Realms. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I was I was generally like. Didn't this happen in a, in like two days? Like, <laughs> like, um, because the way you read, because I just finished World of Realms, I won't spoil it. But the way I read that was like the war happened sort of before it arrived at Midgard, and then it arrived at Midgard, and it was like a pan- at least a panicked week before they finished and mopped it all up. Um, but in the X Men comic, it seems like a decade has passed, mm-hmm. and they're fending for themselves and hunting each other as food or whatever. Um, they're probably just eating Madroxes. Um, <laughs> they right now. Um, oh, oh no! And 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 in some in some inspired or insipid um, telegraphing, uh, Sunspot talks about why don't we just destroy the magical necklace that has been randomly placed around uh, Magic's neck? Um, wouldn't that be great? And Magic's like, oh, I don't think that's a good idea. Hin hin, nudge nudge, neon sign. Um, <laughs> And then, um, obviously, they're attacked, because that's how these things go. The X-Men are all upset, and they're overwhelmed. And then um, Sunspot, almost as if it was telegraphed, destroys the necklace and is instantly exploded after saying he feels fine. Mm-hmm. Magic, they, magic picks, um, it's a karma that picks up magic, who doesn't speak, but does lots of things, apparently. Um, picks up magic, uh, magic um, opens a giant portal to teleport all the humans. Sabretooth tries to stop her by choke holding her, rather than just gutting her, which I, right, so we've got a Sabretooth who's like super bloodthirsty at the beginning of the book, but just for this plot point, doesn't kill her. 
I know it's because he wants to give her to Malekith, but could he not just like knock her out to stop her from opening a portal? But that's common sense, and this is Uncanny X Men. They don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but his his army runs after the um the the humans, and lo and behold, it's uh, um, a trick. It's, it was just a load of dupes. They've gone into limbo, and uh, Danny and Karma. I didn't know Karma could project illusions, but now she can. But Danny and Karma made it like a giant illusion, so it all looked wrong. And Sabretooth's like, Grrrg, Will Spain then attacks him. And <laughs> so Will Spain, who was beaten to death by normal human beings, because um, she oh, couldn't right. like, um, rips his throat out after beating him senseless. And then becomes like the alpha of all the evil wolves, and there's like blood all over. <laughs> and then, and then to finish it off, magic decapitates uh, Sabretooth and then kicks his head into a portal, and everything ends with um, because the X Men still need to be hated, even though a million humans saw them evacuate and help them. Um, it ends with them going, "Oh, they still hate us. Oh, we'll hide." And then Valkyrie stood, um, Valkyrie, sorry, Danny is stood with all the Valkyries, or sat with all the Valkyries. And then there's Ghost, Obi-Wan, Roberto, who's like, it's okay in the end. Well, I'll see you at some point, I assume, when Hickman retcons all of this. <laughs> right. Um, and that is the end of War of Realms in Kenny. I feel stupider after listening to all of that. Yeah. So this is going to start off a trend this episode of Rosenberg trying to explain his mischaracterizations. Yeah. <laughs> Which is going to be the big trend in these regular issues of Uncanny. Um, so so basically, I think the point is that because Wolf Husband and Wolf Son have to go back to hell, that that is why uh, Wolf Spain gives up on life, even though she was just very ferocious. And so that's why she allows herself to be murdered. I think that's what we're going for here. I'm not buying it, but I think that's what he's selling. Um, I didn't get that. No, it's not here. You have to infer. Jason <laughs> <laughs> uh, has to literally explain it. He'll pop up like a hologram and explain what's going on. Right. Um, it is really annoying because when this I think all three of us didn't praise it but when it first started World Worlds we were like where was this uncanny when right it, when like yeah. it was good it was it was punchy the characters make sense Wolf Spain could actually fight the art was on point here the art's quite inconsistent uh, it's the definitely the best element of the book yes, um, by, far. Yeah. by far I don't know if, I don't know if Cyclops is firing one eye beam two eye beams five eye beams who knows um, I don't think well, we'll get to the other issues, but I generally think Rosenberg forgets what he writes down, like mm-hmm. from page to page, let yeah. alone panel to panel. And, um, um, and it just, there's a real sense of, I just have to get this done. And that's what it feels, the, the book's like, um, it just feels like I need to finish this story and try and tie it to whatever, because... After the mutants save all those people who who I believe thank them in issue two, they have to go hide again? Because right. reasons? <laughs> and and killing uh, killing Sunspot off just feels petty rather than It doesn't it feel like a, like a middle finger to Hickman. 
Because it's like a, a kid's little tantrum. Like, oh, yeah. you can't have, I'm not going to let anyone have it. I'm going to rip it up. No one can read it. Yeah. So. I only didn't kill Cannonball because uh, Ed Brisson wouldn't let me. <laughs> and then also the Sabretooth death is like, really? This is oh. what we're doing now, too? He, he's had he's his not. head chopped off a million times. <laughs> he cut, yeah. He, I assume he's not dead, but I, it was just like, um, it's like magic has a new pastime now, as we'll find out. And this is the start of it. Oh, the end right. of it. Yeah. The head so, um, so we, we did talk yeah. about the art. I will say I hate the way Sunspot dies, but the panel is a pretty cool panel. Yes, and his ghost is beautifully colored. Like the mm-hmm. ghost yes. of look at. Um, yeah, the ice giants look great as well. I think there are a couple of really nice splash pages. Like maybe he was rushed, uh, this artist, because there are definite panels that are really wonky, almost like a different artist did it. But when when... This the art shines. This shines bright. Yes. Yep, I agree. Um. Oh gosh. Is it is it just me or is this even with all this criticism still better than Uncanny? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to say yes, how it, much better. <laughs> it is better. It is better. Um. I mean, Martin. I always enjoy a good nasty saber tooth. So you know, I want to point that out. Um. I don't know how much how much credit does the art get in here? What do you want to What do you want to grade this, guys? I'm I'm going to give it a high two because the art's decent, but I feel like there's a lot of missteps in the art and the writing is very drab, so it dra- drags it quite immensely down for me. Okay, what about you, Georgie? Yeah, I mean it. It's not as like nonsensical as the regular uncanny issues, but. The plotting, the character motivations are like, you never know what they're going to do in, in like the worst way possible. It's, it feels like, you know, little kid storytelling where this happened and then this happened, but the character's really doing this, but then actually it's really this. And you're like, no, this is, you're, you're a child. Stop it. Um, so like the, the story really brings it down. The artwork, uh, I think Dan nails it, is, can be great, but is also not always great. So I would give this also like a high two. It's it's nearer three with the artwork, but uh, I think there's just a, a few too many panels that don't quite nail it. Okay. I'm not going to say y'all are wrong. I did not notice as many of the wonky art panels, so I think I enjoyed the art a little more than you guys. Um, so I'll give it a very soft three out of six claws. Makes sense. All for the art. <laughs> okay. So we have two issues of Uncanny to talk about. Number 19 and number 20. Uh, 19 is... Written, of course, by Matthew Rosenberg. Art by the trio of Carlos and Carlos. Via and Gomez, that is. And then Bob Quinn. And then our inkers are Juan Velasco. Adriano Di Benedetto. Michelle DeLecki. Carlos Gomez and Bob Quinn. That's a lot. Uh, colors by Guru Effects. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Cover by Walsh Portacio and Eric Arseniega. I do not care for this cover at all. Um, it's a weird like picture of Emma Frost taking off some like Cyclops sunglasses. I assume it's supposed to infer the whole like I'm behind the scenes. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I told Georgie, but I, I redid this issue, uh, Reveal-A-Rama, um, 
Oh my goodness gracious. That's what it is. Is that like the plot or the costume that Emma's wearing on the cover? Oh, well, that's all of it. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. All of it. I got to say, revelations abound. Yeah. Um, so we start I, with the. Hold film. on, I gotta say, like the, the cover might be the best artwork of like you might not like the cover, but I it might be the best artwork of everything in here. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I do not. I do All not right. like it. Oh, so, uh, so I, I got these issues, I guess. Um, so nineteen uh, turns out that all of Rosenberg's run is Emma's fault. The end. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, can, can, right. So can I can I just say a few things that really frustrate me? Yeah, go for um, it. So um, it starts with his cliched "I'm super into pseudo intellectual" pa- uh, black panel with one speech text box, where it's almost like talking about bluffs. Like he's almost say like daring everyone to actually go, "Oh shit, has he been bullshitting this entire time?" <laughs> on this thing. But I, I don't know about the rest of you, but I felt like it was almost unaware unaware that is metatextual. Like he's it's his voice criticizing a set of new new mutant characters. Um, Emma criticizes the book he used to write. Right. Astonishing. But yeah. I'm like, is he aware that he's doing this? Because it feels very unaware. And he feels like it's if I write Emma as a bitch, that's her character. And at the same time, I need to get out of the fact that a lot of people were angry that I made a Noel give a gay character to give give a, a a cure for being different. So I need to like get out of that. So I'll give it to the woman that's imprisoned. I love this this weird weird because I feel like Callahan. I might be totally wrong, but I feel like Callahan's like Rosenberg's ego. Like, <laughs> Maybe run wild and like like he. He, he often kills women, people of colour, imprisons them um, in all of his um, uncanny run. And it feels like the most purest form of expression is Callahan, of like what his personal beliefs are. And it's, and then we resurrect Vanisher just to turn him into a Vanisher milkshake halfway through. <laughs> and then, oh man! Uh, okay, if I don't, if I remember to do this, Vanisher milkshake will be the title of this episode. All right. <laughs> and um, it just. And I feel like he's telling us how he really feels. And then how stabby is Wolverine? Like, he's super stabby. Um, oh, and he's... I know he's Wolverine and he's stabby, but, like, uh, you, if you've been... Re- re- did anyone read the Infinity... Um, uh, not Infinity Watch, the other one, where Emma was one of the wielders of the Infinity Stones with Wolverine and, and such stuff, and they got merged together to be... Oh, like, the Infinity Warps. Yeah, and, and then there were, there were that, that storyline, and then it was part of like a, a, a whole event that no one seemed to read. Um, but there were friends there. They were actually friends. Like Wolverine went to Emma to like help him with the stone. But here it's like right. you haven't been. It's like it's like he's not wasn't like for his for his. his um, Logan might as well have gone. I haven't seen you in fifty years. You used to be an X Men. Um, well, now maybe maybe this Logan didn't. Maybe that other Logan was the the Phoenix Logan. I don't know. That's it just, it feels good. <laughs> I don't know about you, um, Jason or Georgie, but Emma and um, Logan always seem to have a friend, an understanding at least, but a friendship, like for, right. like a, a like respect for each other. Yeah, and because they're willing to make the hard choices, right? And here it, it sort of throws that in a bin because a it makes it seem like Emma was only an X Man, like like a tertiary X Man, not mm-hmm. some, not a figurehead of the 
of, of the franchise right. for 10 years. And, right. and then it also makes it seem like Logan and Ember haven't met together for a while. I know he's been dead, but like for a long while, not just like 10 minutes. On right. <laughs> and um, <laughs> all the other choices and going up to the point where all of a sudden when Callum's like, the deal's off the table. And I was like, I thought the deal was already off the table. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> like, How many what? times has he done with her, right? I'm done with you until this panel. Oh, no, I'm really done with you. No, now I'm really, really, really done with you. You've had it. <laughs> and then we have, like, um, it's just it's just a weird event. It's like a, oh, by the way, it's women that did it. Because you remember that Adam and Eve story? And oh, Eve gosh. Called? I didn't even think about that. Um, and that's how it came across, across to me, that it was it's it's the woman's fault. So the woman must be punished. And that's how it felt the whole time round. Like, oh, it's none of the men's fault. It's just the woman. The, the men doing the bad things. It's because the woman has been split. And I was like, this reads. And also, it's a mess. Like, it's all over the place narratively. And I was like, this is the worst single issue of the year. And oh. possibly, hmm. for, me, for me, it was like the worst single issue I've read this year. And... It's definitely my least favorite uncanny issue that of his that I've read because it's just there's a message there and I don't think it's a good one, which is ironic because the next one has even weirder and more conservative messages than you can shake a cat. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry for the rant over. There you go. No, 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 go for it. Go for it. Um. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not good. Um. I'd have to really review the previous 18 and decide if it's my worst, but it's definitely, definitely not good. You know, and the thing is, I feel like this is my Rosenberg excuse and I'm tired of making it, but had this, had the previous 18 issues built up goodwill, some of the plot points in this are not terrible. They're not well written. The ideas themselves, like I feel, I still concede that someone else could take his outline and give us a decent story. <laughs> um, make some different choices, put things in a little bit different direction, but there's some concepts and ideas that could be okay. And I am all for the idea of Emma Frost having lots of behind the scenes machinations, but the execution is just piss poor. Um, and the fact that she's being controlled by somebody else and not the one in control, yeah. I think I have a problem with. Um, I'm controlling things from behind the scenes, but actually someone's controlling me. But wait until we find out that he's actually being controlled by somebody else as well. Right. It's, it's like a all... Russian doll of, of, of a, <laughs> like absurdness. Right. So since we're on this, the nostalgia kick, Callahan better be being controlled by Bastion. That's the only way I am satisfied with the story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So art-wise, with our army of artists, some oh, of it oh. is better than others. Yes. Um, the scene where she turns into the diamond form, and there's there's definitely one artist that does like those three pages. I thought were pretty decent. Um, the rest of it, not as much. And the art's just it's all over the place. So some of it's pretty good. Some of it's pretty bad. And I don't know who did what, so I can't really. I don't either. I, I would say that the Wolverine and Emma pages are the worst. They're pretty bad. Pretty bad. Pretty just kind of generically gross. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna give 19. Oh. Am I mad enough to give it a one? Okay, Denise says yes, so I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's, oh, well, it's, what about it's, you guys? Like, I didn't get to say much about the issue, but, uh, uh, you know, for me, it's it's like, it's really horrible plotting because, it's like, this is like the mystery reveal, but we didn't know there was really a mystery to begin with. And then right. the plotting doesn't, like, the motivation doesn't make any sense, and the goals don't really make any sense or line up it's like oh but it's really this and everyone's like why why were we supposed to see any of this coming uh, right. you didn't you didn't plan this out very well and as you mentioned myriad of artists just like any any goodwill visually is is right out the window so i'm this is a one for me as well even though i think maybe the next issue is even worse because of messaging this is a one all right well, dan what about you are you um, be the optimistic too? <laughs> the terrible, but not the worst. <laughs> well, it just ex- explains a few things. It explains why um, he doesn't like Danny Moonstar, Strong Guy, and um, Karma can't speak because um, uh, the criticisms Emma throws in feel like it's Mark Rosenberg and him. Uh, uh, but I feel, or how should I say? I feel like. Um, it's definitely a low one. Okay. Can I just bring up also that, you know, he was excited to write Uncanny so he could continue his Madrox book, his Astonishing book, and his New Mutants book. And none of those plot lines went anywhere. They all just, like, thrown off the wayside or, like, solved off panel. It's a total waste. Right. Yep. And it's like he doesn't even care enough. Oh. Um, no. <laughs> all right. Well... So, number 20, of course, Rosenberg still. Uh, Art Salvador LaRocca is back. Uh, colors by Guru Effects. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And the same cover artist. I like this cover quite a bit better, though. Um, so, we have Dark Beast uh, clawed up paw with a big fat syringe. I think it's fat for, for so it can fit three people. Um <laughs> And inside the syringe are Cyclops, Havoc, and somebody. Oh, uh, Danny, looks like. Because mm-hmm. there's fringe on the boot. Um, I actually kind of like this cover. I mean, it's not... I mean, obviously, the syringe is not really that fat. But I, I think it's an interesting idea and concept. And pretty well executed. Yeah, it's not too bad. I, I like the concept. Okay. All right. Well, so in number 20... Uh, Dark Beast Cures the Cure, uh, which, by the way, I'm glad they finally got in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, only he doesn't. He makes an airborne anti-vaccine that severely injures children with latent mutant genes that they get inoculated. The X-Men are horrified that they went along and got duped. Wolverine attacks the O.N.E. Callahan... Oh, seizes. I'm going to read my own writing there. Uh, seizes the Hellfire Club from Emma, who now needs Cyclops to remember her. Yeah. You, forgot yeah. that they, you forgot that they um, fight the greatest hits of yesteryear. Um, are are the day. Nasty Boys among the greatest hits? No, like, no, I, I forgot they even existed until he brought it up. I was, I was thinking, um, is it what's what the names? Um, oh, oh, not the Cabal, but the uh, the Upstarts. The Upstarts, yes. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, all of them basically, because I was thinking one's called. Uh, I was like, I wrote, as I wrote them down, I was like, Acolyte Cortez? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> Shinobi Short. Yeah, I was like writing them all down. I was like, they all sound like genres in gay porn. Weirdly. And Upstarts definitely does. Um, but uh, yeah, I so, was flabbergasted. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> with this issue. I I have many problems with like the messaging, but also visually, I was so confused on a number of panels on what was actually happening. Like, there's the panel where I guess Sebastian Shaw is getting like hands going through him, like, and he's bleeding out of his nose. But then, like, there's something at the bottom of the panel that's like cut off of what it, other action is going on. No, it's him. It's the same same thing. So he phases his hand his own hand through his head and then solidifies it inside his own head. So basically he kills himself by phasing. And then the bottom of that panel is him falling over after he kills himself. But why is it like so cut off where you see just like the top half of him and then like someone's hair and another like bald head? Like, look, like I don't understand. Because LaRocca was shorted a panel on his paycheck. I, I don't... <laughs> Like so, it's the obsession with death here as well, of just killing off as many characters as possible and in as many like gruesome ways as he can. Right. And then there's a panel that Georgie tweeted where Wolverine poops his pants. Um, yeah, I didn't understand how his body structure worked at all. In that <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because I don't know. I don't know if it's a colorist. Because this is Rosenberg. I mean, she's not in bad. No, this is Guru effects. So I don't know if that's a team or different people coloring. You know, we've complained about LaRocca's art and the coloring choices in this book. You know, he has a short that is in the um, uh, the, the Wolverine one shot that just came out, uh, Exit Wounds. And it's much more brightly colored. And his art's actually not bad. But in this is just... I don't know. There's something about all the visual coming together is just so unappealing. Um, so you know, crazy. It... His Iron Man was beautiful. His Iron uh-huh. Man was stunning, and this is just not. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's some really weirdly lazy. Um, like there is an obsession with death in 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 this through line, and there's some really just like lazy elements like. Um, I like that Mystique does the literal version of fighting your own demons with um, K1 and K1 and yeah, that's on. Um, and I like that that gets said the upper hand, but at the same time, it doesn't look nice. And then, right, then Wolverine's just like, I used to be Moreau's teammate, but I'm just gonna gu- literally gut her because that's what I do now because he used to. I'm sure he used to temper his murderous instincts. He didn't just always kill everybody. No, no, not usually. But, you know, dying will do that to you, I guess. Also, isn't it hilarious that a man called Dark Beast, how did no one realize he's going to do something evil? That's his (laughs) little name. Like, only Madrox. Out of all of them, Madrox's like, mm, I don't think that was a good idea, giving him a biological weapon. You know, Alex was against it, which I liked. Um, um, but then, of course, then, you know, everyone overruled him. Um, 
Because they all get to vote, and Hope was like, dude, we got to do this. Guys, and then, yeah, guys, yeah, we yeah. got to do this. Yeah, again, Callahan, Callahan's like, the deal's off. Um, like, <laughs> I'm going to take the Hellfire Club. That's cool, right? <laughs> and obviously, Magic's new trick of decapitating people, even the most gruesome of ways this time. Yeah. Like, and, and no one cares. Like every time, oh. like they, they kill people, the rest of the X Men are like, "Yeah, whatever." It, it's it's no. very much like Cyclops is like, "Good Lord, child." Yeah, and they're then... not really upset. No, like they just they just move on. It's did you guys see? Uh, I guess maybe a month or two months ago, when when uh, Zack Snyder was talking about his movies and how like superheroes, if they were real, would really kill people all the time. Like no one really understands it. This this feels like in the DCEU vein of like. Superheroes are there to, to get their hands dirty, and you don't understand how gruesome this this life is going to be. Uh, like they don't understand that this is fiction. <laughs> that that right. hey, superheroes are supposed to be heroes, not just like cold-blooded killers in a like '80s action movie. It's it's not the same thing. Is it bad yeah. that I'm nervous that Doctor Nemesis is going to die now because he's been introduced into the, into the book? probably? He'll probably get beheaded. And is uh, is Rosenberg an anti-vaxxer as well? Because that's kind of the vibe of the I, I don't know. Um, it's possible, I guess. And it's definitely an element of the story. I don't know if it's trying to say something or just lazy storytelling. I'm not sure. <laughs> I can remember this. Because he has a tendency to have someone monologue their evil plan and then get immediately killed. Um, so he doesn't have to... Have you noticed that in these last two issues that any plan that is um, formed or any kind of like plot point that he's put forward is cancelled in this issue. Oh, Havoc, I thought you faded out of existence when you used your powers. I'm fine now. Um, right. Yeah, I'm a, good. I, I got it. Just like chill, bro. He literally, <laughs> he literally neutralizes any plot element, which obviously is because his run's coming to the end. Right. But it's like, uh, I'm just, I, I never want, none of this goes anywhere. <laughs> this this yeah. vaccine story that I recreated from other vaccine stories. Oh yeah, I'm gonna just end it suddenly now too. I'm I'm just Jason. This this just this book has really really brought me down, son. Yeah, really let's, let's move down. on. Um, one out of six for me. What do you guys got? Yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah. I, Hickman. I keep saying this, but Hickman can't come soon enough. Right. Right. Okay, well, on, let's end on a high note and talk about Age of X, man. You're funny. Yeah. Hey, Georgie, let's do the uh, let's do the blitz on this. Oh, <laughs> you know. believe me, I, I I wrote out like little like sentences that just like awesome do this stuff. All right. Because I I was not sober when I read these, so I don't really know what happened. <laughs> All right. Well, not, I don't know if I'll be able to clear that up. They, they okay. don't know what happened. Um. So let's start off with Apocalypse and the Extracts number four. Writer Tim Seeley, artist Salvo Espin, colors by Israel Silva, letter of VCs Travis Lanham. On the cover, we have Captain Apocalypse and Beast Boy, basically. <laughs> I just love that phrase. There you yeah. go. All right. Um, it's, it's, it's rough. Uh, the artwork here, it's the same bad, like, Saturday morning cartoon artwork, a la, like, the new adventures of Scooby-Doo. Right. Uh, the only, only the bright colors make it even slightly worth looking at uh, art-wise. It's just art-wise has been the worst book we've we, we've had going forward uh, uh, so far. Um, <clears throat> Plot-wise, 
We have a boring narration of the near-dead Eyeboy nearly puts the reader to sleep before we get to the hot action of Captain Kid Apocalypse versus Omega Bland. Um, Colossus continues to stalk Kitty when all she wants to do is praise and say Benur. It's a Hanukkah miracle when Kitty and uh, Peter's memories come back, but that miracle is short-lived when Omega Bland also regains his memories and kills Kid Captain Apocalypse. Uh, then Daddy Apocalypse cares not for his son's untimely demise and instead upgrades Eyeboy to fully functioning Handman. Uh, unfortunately, this Handman has eyes that see it all, including Daddy Apocalypse talking secrets with Nate Graysell. Uh, it's almost as shocking a twist as this book sales numbers. So that was <laughs> pressing the extracts. And any comments on this book? It was it was awful. And there's one more to come. I thought we were. Oh man, I thought it was done. Okay. Um, I, I, they killed. Wait one second. They killed Evan. Oh. Kind of. Maybe. Wait, so if you die, well, I guess that brings up a good question that may, we may or may not ever get the answer to. But if you die in the age of X-Men, do you die in real life? Yeah, it's like the Matrix. All right. Okay. That'll be a bummer because Evan is a favorite of mine. But, um, you know, whatever. Who knows? I, I, I don't. None of it matters, Jason. None of this matters right. at all. It sure doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to next gen number five. Uh, unless will, you guys want to rate, no, rate these. Nah, I don't care. <laughs> any, any comments from you, Dan? Did you read any of these? Just carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we really gave Georgie a raw deal. Um, all right, go ahead. Don't worry about it. I, I, I promise you I attempted to read all of them. Okay. All right. Attempt, that's all I ask. An A for yeah. effort for Jason. <laughs> all right, next gen number five, writer Ed Brisson, artist Lucas Wernick, who's different from the previous artists on this book. Colors, Jason Keith, letter, VCs, Clayton Cowles. Um, on the cover, we have, you know, Bacalo continuing to be the best part of this book. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Wernick, the, the new artist, does his best to maintain some kind of artistic symmetry with Marcus Toe, who was the previous artist, but there's a definite noticeable shift. Uh, the artwork is serviceable, but not remarkable. Right. No, it's definitely a downshift. So um, the extremists take time away from infighting to be incompetent at their job, which uh, then allows Noel and his friends to escape to a convenience store for snacks and then go on a field trip in the woods. Glob tells a campfire story, which is basically, here are the rules of Age of X-Men. And then finally, <laughs> everyone's like, oh, I believe you now. Suddenly, the kids decide to hit the beach, and Glob goes digging for buried treasure, uh, which is, is really what happens. That's the best explanation of that plot point ever uh, is possible. It's, so, I'm not good, like, um, exaggerating. That's literally what happens. Uh, fortunately, the X-Men show up and put everyone in prison and put this story out of its misery. Uh, the kids get mind wiped, except for Glob, because he's special. He's a special boy because he remembers. Um, so what was the point of this story? I don't know. To be concluded in Age of X-Men Omega. I take issue with that last sentence, but yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I was enjoying Toe's artwork in this series and seeing the change and kind of shift downwards really made me lose interest in finishing this book. But, um, I mean, I don't know. Some of the dynamics with the kids was okay. 
Oh, that's fine. But at the end, they're just like, yeah, doesn't matter anyway, because you don't remember anything. And right. we're actually going to wrap up this story in a whole other book. So, yeah, okay, maybe. then. Maybe. All these series are ending to me, concluding this book, but none of them feel like they're feeding into it. That's nope. gonna be a, that's gonna be a really interesting to see how Omega actually works. Oh, it's just I, one. I, I say interesting in uh, finger quotes. Oh, like <laughs> in, in like a thought experiment of how much of a disaster this is. <laughs> right, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> it's like when you go to see like a bad movie because it's bad. That's what that's gonna be like. Right. All right. Yep. So, all right, so it's going to be yeah. all right. Prisoner <laughs> X number four. Writer yeah. Vida. Is there yeah. another one of these too? Oh my yes, gosh! Okay. Uh, writer Vida Ayala, artist German Peralta, colors Mike Spicer, letter of Vices Josevino. Cover: We have the inmates versus the guards. It's uninspired and forgettable. Um, the artwork inside is basically the same as all the other issues, uh, but there's lots of like empty backgrounds and splotchy color work. It's pretty rough. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> so Forge and Bishop have a conversation that is supposed to sum up this book, but is more likely to put the readers to sleep. Bishop <laughs> is released from solitary confinement and remembers the good times before everyone was in prison, like when they used to play chess or going to the pool and private breakfast between characters that he never met before. Uh, okay. Because it's a prison <laughs> story and the age of X-Men writers know nothing about tired tropes, uh, oh my a, gosh! <laughs> a scripted prison right breaks out, of course, uh, but the ghost of Legion is revealed to be controlling Forge all along. Thanks, lack of sh- foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> the last act of defiance, Forge frees the prisoners, and everyone's memories are restored just in time for a hastily constructed splash page to be continued. <laughs> Georgie, you should have written all these books. Your synopsises are way better than the issues. I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 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 really a dumb book. Um, it's consistently bland, if if you could say something for it. So there's that. Um, any any other comments on this book? <laughs> no. A waste of Gabby. Yeah, totally. All right. Next up is the Amazing Nightcrawler. I got four and five coming up here. Okay. Uh, I will say I do think this is the best book overall, even though it's not like a great book. Um, so we have writer uh, Seanan uh, McGuire, artist Juan Frigeri, colors Dano Sanchez Almara, letterer VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, the covers for this are generally the worst part of the issues. We've got surprise Nightcrawler, meet TJ, and then like a lot of empty background behind it. So, yep. Uh, There's two bags. I historically enjoy Shane Davis, but his covers on this series have been pretty rancid. Uh-huh. <laughs> really, it's kind of boring. Yeah. Uh, I'd say the interiors are consistently above average. There's some nice color work. Uh, it's sharp colors, but I wouldn't say it's like the most outstanding artwork. It, I would just say by comparison, this artwork is better than uh, the other series. So, um, a fight breaks out on the red carpet, and we actually get to see a competent Nightcrawler. Um, if nothing else, this series is the first Nightcrawler mini in like a decade that treats the character with any sort of respect or like a person. <laughs> so that's kind of nice. However, uh, the plot quickly dissolves into convoluted non- nonsense for the sake of a twist. Surprise! But the Cuckoos have been manipulating everything, and this isn't the first time that Kurt has gone looking for answers. 
So if you ever see the movie Memento, basically the cuckoos are Joey Pants and Kurt is Guy oh. Pierce. <laughs> what an obvious connection. Thank yeah. you. Um, so another mini full of other short story. Uh, at least the conflict for this uh, is kind of nice because it's about putting your family up in, in like love of family above everything else. And there's a conflict between the cuckoos trying to fight for their like family and Kurt trying to fight for his family. So there is like some real thought put into the conflict here. So that's the only real plus I have for this book. Right. Uh, yeah. That, that's number four. So I, I would say like it's maybe the best thought out of all the books. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, there's a little in the interpersonal relationships, there's a little hints at some of the really good work Shan McGuire is doing over in Spider Gwen. Right. But not enough to really latch on to, but there's hints. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, as I said, it's not a great book, but compared to most of the others, it's maybe the standout book here overall. Right. Yeah. Moving on to Nightcrawler number five, we have the same uh, creative team. And this cover, we have Nightcrawler stabbed on stage. Uh, you know, an actor living his life on the stage for the audience. What a, wow, blowing my mind here. <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's another, like, ugly cover. Yeah. All right, so Kurt must fight uh, the sister clones to save his alternate universe daughter and his mother girlfriend. And that is literally what happens here. <laughs> this is definitely something that X-Men is wanking off to as we speak. Oh, wow. It's a shame that Kurt and Megan's love story was born out of the dreams of a demented incel, really. Um, <laughs> Kurt makes a sacrifice in order for Megan and TJ to escape. The cuckoos continue to be the worst. And uh, Hollywood decides to cover up another case of abuse. Um, and that's basically where the story ends. Uh, they hint that is Megan maybe TJ's mother... Uh, what will happen to Kurt? And I kind of wonder, do you think if uh, Zach Thompson and Jordan D. White kind of have an edible complex? All these questions may be answered in Omega X and <laughs> Age of whatever. I just I just want to clarify. Did you mean to say edible complex? Are they going to eat something? No, <laughs> edible. <laughs> no. <laughs> edible, like the Greek. Like... Right, right, Oedipus. I got you. Yeah, yeah, I knew what you meant. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, I... Not to make fun of people's weight, but, uh, you know, Jordan might have other eating complexes as well. Right, yeah, you never know. Um, um, this is, I mean, I, I don't really feel like it's a great ending, but at least this one had an ending to these characters' story. Right, right, as opposed to uh, Omega. <laughs> yes. There's, there's literally a part where Megan turns into... Uh, like morphs into Mystique and then starts fighting and then is also in love with Kurt. It's a weird moment. That is weird. Yeah. So is she? Is she both? No. Okay. Okay. So the other the Mystique that showed that originally introduced Kurt to the photograph is actually Mystique. Like this is a separate character. It's Mystique. No, it's Megan. Oh, it is Megan. Okay. All right. Yeah. So she's the both. the okay. way they plot it is Megan's. Like shape shifting abilities are part of like are drawn to her empathy, so she changes into whatever people around her need to be, and okay. so Kurt needed his mother there for some reason. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, okay. it's not it's not worth talking about. So let's move on. Yeah. Uh, right. Extreme is number five. Writer, uh, the incomparable uh, Leah Williams. 
uh, sarcasm included. Artist uh, George Janti, colors Roberto Poggi, Poggi, letterer Jim Charlampitis. Uh, the cover, uh, there are colors and shapes and character outlines. Who's on the cover? I can't really tell you. Just like this story, I have no idea what's going on with the cover. Uh, if I can be the voice of dissension, I, I don't disagree with anything, but I really like the abstraction of this cover. I thought it was really cool. I mean, so. yeah, that's an abstract bunch of colors and images. <laughs> sure. Well, I, I like it. it. Isn't it supposed to be Psylocke with the... the, the um... And then the oh, profile and the in the yellow. Yeah, I, I uh, then it, but take a look inside and Jubilee kind of also looks like Psylocke, but then looks like a true. boy and the cover doesn't really have long hair, so I don't know who it's supposed to be. Honestly, it is uh it's baffling. Yeah. All right. So let's let's yep. So um Ken Williams top her previous high mark of incomprehensible storytelling the short answer is yes and the long answer is i'm glad this is over because i'm about to have a brain aneurysm <laughs> so some random person dressed up like an extremist has a rat infestation and then eight pages later we find out that that's supposed to be jubilee even though the artwork doesn't seem to tell us that that's supposed to be jubilee Jubilee wouldn't freak out and destroy a city like a little brat, like this Jubilee does. So this must be someone else. This is probably the character that Williams created called Wankerly instead of Jubilee. Uh, Psylocke <laughs> uses the to- Psylocke <laughs> uses the full totality of this bullshit story to revive everyone's <laughs> memory. Um, and then, not Jubes, Dude Bro Bobby and No Agency North Star have a cry over their lost loved ones. Uh, not Jubes decides to steal a baby. Uh, the blob rips his clothes and sulks in an abandoned house. And this story just sort of ends without a conclusion. Uh, this was maybe the worst book of all of them. Was the baby Shogo or just random baby? Like they hint at it maybe being Shogo, but okay. it's, it's just god awful. Yeah. All right. I, so uh, uh, any any comments on this book? Uh, what if magic was good? Yeah, no, no, that, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like it's it's like she's Doctor Jekyll and and Mister Bullshit. Like I don't right. know what what writer we're getting every time she writes a story. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't. I I had a hard time finishing this one. To be honest, I uh, just kind of kept losing track of what was going on and losing interest. Yeah. So. I was uh, choking on all the ineptitude. Um, isn't it um, so incomprehensible i I just couldn't okay oh my god all right so final last issue final one oh there's another one marvelous number five okay writer zach thompson and uh lonnie nadler artist marco faya colors matt miller letter of vc's joe caramagna okay cover we've got full noto brings a washed out style to this alternate history flashbacky issue um i kind of like the cover it's full noto yeah, yeah. Oh, nice too. Um, the artwork I would have preferred. There's like some flashbacky images, and I would have preferred the whole issue to look as nice as that because the other artwork is kind of meh. Right. Um, so in this issue, we learn that alternative past X Man was as much of an arrogant dick as the current incel version. Who would have thought? Uh, <laughs> both artist and writer do a sloppy job of trying to tie the other series up in this issue. 
because <laughs> it's more important that they focus on the other issues and they just sort of like forgot what they were even trying to sell on this like flagship title of this event. Uh, I don't know what this, this writer was even trying to do with this book. Uh, halfway through, Moneta uh, finger bangs Apocalypse in the ear so that she can learn the truth. Uh, but turn around is fair play, and uh, Apocalypse finger bangs are right back through the forehead, and so she's dead. And no one will miss her. Uh, Nature, Dur- Nature Girl does some detective work. Jean joins forces with the rest of Team Voltron, and they <laughs> decide to defeat Nate, who realizes that he was doing everything wrong. But when the X-Men confront him, he gets upset, and he decides that he's going to try and defeat them again. So it None of this makes any logical sense. Uh, hooray for elementary school kids storytelling to be concluded in the final issue of this torturous event. Bring on Hickman. I really, really thought that all we had left was Omega, so I'm sorry. <laughs> we got, we got ex, no, not extremists. We got Apocalypse, uh, we got Prisoner X, and then Omega. So okay, hooray. Right. Almost there. We're in the we're in the home stretch. Yeah, these were all awful. These were all so bad. Yeah, okay. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to have to send you a gift card for something. <laughs> I, I actually kind of had fun writing these little, like, uh, Good. Letters. No, oh, they were Actually, they were great, Georgie. They really were. They were the... I Listening to you was way more fun than trying to read through these. So I, I really, like, it's, I hate to toot my own horn, but the full totality of this bullshit story... <laughs> I really love that. I'll, yeah, I'm I'm glad I wasn't drinking anything when you said that because I would have <laughs> spit it all over everywhere. That that may yeah wow. <laughs> all right, well that's Age of X Man and um yeah so that'll that'll be wrapping up soon. Uncanny will be wrapping up soon. Hickman will be starting up. So hopefully we'll have something. Hopefully that'll all turn out good. I've seen. Man, people are all over the place on what they think about Hickman, so I guess we'll we'll see what happens. But um, yeah. Any uh, why don't we uh? I know y'all have some episodes coming out for Scalabro, so why don't y'all talk a little bit about that before we wrap up? Yeah, Dan. What yeah, did we'll, we just cover? We'll, we'll really end on a high note. We'll talk about something really happy. <laughs> anyway, yes. Um, sorry, I zoned out. You're talking about Age of X Men. Uh, X Men. <laughs> Uh, I just switch as soon as I hear it now I just switch off like it's um well yeah it is just looking at beige but anyway um we covered Sposhbuckling pirate space pirate nightcrawler in our recent issue of Excalibur um land of the lizards in exiles and Gen X go to New York in Gen X and they were all lovely and beautiful comics. And it's almost as if people can write stories then. All right. So. Very good. Well, yep. Of course, they can find that over at excalibros.podbean.com, right? Yep. All and right. also, we've, we've started up a Patreon page. Um, okay, yeah. It's, it's real, like, low-tier stuff. It's like a dollar to listen per month. It's $3 to, like, vote on what we get to cover. And it's five dollars to guest on a show, and it's basically additional content. We're gonna cover like Marvel movies and um, X Men movies, and maybe like the X Men animated show. So it'll just be little extra stuff if you're interested to like just chip in a buck. That's that's all we're looking for. So uh, that that'll be um, 
on the Twitter handle and in the description of all the podcasts as well. So if you're interested, check us out. But if not, uh, you know, just listen to the free episodes because uh, that's what we love doing. Yeah, very cool. So yeah, definitely uh, throw some throw some pennies and dollar bills. Make make it rain for the Escalabras. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, obviously uh, love that show. And if you like these guys at all, you will love it too. So go give it a listen and um, support their Patreon. Cheers. Cool. All right. Well, as usual for the podcast, it goes snicked. You can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at Snickcast. Uh, show notes and stuff for snickcast.podbean.com. And Georgie and Dan, I cannot thank you guys enough for for just continuing coming on this show. I know the content from the comic side is way up and down, but you guys always deliver top-notch content for the podcast. So I really appreciate it. Oh, Jason, we love coming on. Even even when we have to cover like some of this garbage, <laughs> we, we have so much fun talking to you about it. Like I don't yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, I have a uh, napping infant who is no longer napping, so um, we shall call it there. But uh, again, thanks, guys, and go listen to it, Scalabros. And um, I don't know. Um, I think the earliest we'll meet up again will be for Omega. Unless Powers and House of X start before then. So we'll kind of we'll play that by ear based on when stuff comes out and vacation schedules and all that. But we'll, uh, we'll definitely be together again soon. All right. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. All right. Pleasure. All right. Well, so until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. Bye. And snacked. I was quiet on Age of X-Men because there's no reason for me to say anything because Georgie was did a fine job. Okay. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I was worried, like, oh Dan doesn't like anything I'm saying here. Okay. I'll just <laughs> on through that. No, I, I when you talk it's about not it, you, just... Georgie. It's not you. <laughs> yeah.